Good morning. It's good to see all of you that are here today. It's good to be back with you. Glad to have all of my family here this morning, my wife and four children, Emma, Shiloh, Eli, and Chloe. We're glad to be with you. And we were over in Decatur this weekend and enjoyed some, some camping right outside of Decatur on the lake there. So it was nice to be out there to be with family and to enjoy God's creation. Uh, that being said, you know, a little tired, a little sore, not as young as I used to be. And so all the activities that, that we do, it makes me a little more tired and sore than usual. And then also camping in a tent, don't get a whole lot of sleep. But thankful to be here, thankful for the Holy Spirit, which, which strengthens us in the inward man, even though our outward man perishes day by day. Last time I was with you, I spoke to you about the immutability of God, that God does not change. And I want to continue on a subject that flows along with that, and, is, and it is about the faithfulness of God. God is a faithful God. So we talked about last time how that God is immutable, that He does not change. He said, uh, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God is eternal and He does not change. He has always He has always been and He will always be. So in that truth, we find in the Scriptures and we find this in our life that God is a faithful God. Not only is He unchanging, but He is faithful, always faithful to His people. He is a faithful God. Our springboard text that we'll turn to first this morning is Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations was written by Jeremiah the prophet. And he was lamenting over the condition of Israel as they had rebelled against the Lord, as they had sinned and gone astray, and chastisement was being brought upon them by God, and they were going to be taken away captive into Babylonian land. And in in this time, it was a difficult day. It was a dark day. And Jeremiah is lamenting over the condition that Israel is in, the sins, uh, looking out at the land and looking at the people of God, how far they have fallen. And his heart grieves for the condition of the people. So we get to chapter 3, and he is talking about the rod of God's wrath being brought upon them and the hand of judgment of God coming against them. So we'll start reading in verse 1 of Lamentations chapter 3. He said, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me is he turned. He turns his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath built it against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hoonstone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a derision to all my people in their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said... My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. And then, starting in verse 19, says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, 
My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So Jeremiah says that even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of pain and sorrow, even in the midst when he said that his strength and his hope had even perished from the Lord, he said that he had to call to his remembrance the God that he believes in, the God who was his hope, the God who was his strength. And he said, I had to call this to remembrance. And he says, when I call this to remembrance and I think about this, he says, I have hope, even in the midst of a dark time, even in the midst of pain and suffering. He says, I call to, to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. And when we're talking about the faithfulness of God, that's, that's what we're talking about, that God's compassions never fail to His children, never fail. And even in the midst of discipline, even in the midst of chastisement, like what Jeremiah and the people are going through at this time, even in the midst of that, God's compassions are not failing. It's not as if, as if God has left the people. It's not as if God is even angry at the people. It's not as even if God has, has walked away. But even in His discipline, God's compassion has failed not. He is faithful. He is a faithful God. And He says, the compassions of the Lord, they are new every morning. So every morning, no, no matter what the day has been like before, no matter what the week or month has been like before, every morning when we wake up, we experience new mercies and grace from the Lord. Because He is a faithful God, He will never fail to give to His children mercy and compassion all the days of their life. He says, Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have hope in Him. So... We live in a day similar, although not quite the same, as Jeremiah. And what I mean by that is that we live in a day of unfaithfulness. It seems like now more than ever before, we see unfaithfulness in every area of life. We see it in marriages. It's always The unfaithfulness has always been there, but we have more of an ability to keep track of it nowadays in this day and age in which we live in. But the sad thing that has become more and more even in the day in which we live in than even 40, 50, 60 years ago, is that even in marriages now, in Christian marriages, you're seeing just as much unfaithfulness in Christian marriages as you are in even worldly marriages, people that don't even believe in these things that we're talking about. I believe that the divorce rate among marriages, even among Christians now, is up, is up over 50%, which is sad, a sad condition uh, that we're seeing in our life. People are not faithful. People are not keeping the covenants which they make anymore. And so we too, like Jeremiah, can become discouraged and become depressed and lament and sorrow. Or we can look to God and we can look at His faithfulness, look that He is a faithful God, and then at looking at Him, we too would examine ourselves to see whether we are faithful people like God. So I think this is why this is an important truth for us to to believe in. It's an important truth for us to think about often in the day in which we live in because it will help us through these dark days and it will help us to stay faithful as Jeremiah was faithful even in a land of unfaithfulness. 
Before we go further, let's define what we're talking about when we're talking about God's faithfulness. John Gill said that faithfulness is an attribute that belongs to God. It is essential to God and without which He would not be God. It has never, it has never failed in any one instance, nor never will. So faithfulness is an attribute that belongs to God. It is who God is in His nature. He is faithful. It's not because God has always done the right thing that He's a faithful God. It is because He is faithful in His essential nature that He always does the right thing. He cannot fail. He cannot do wrong. He will never fail in any one instance, nor will He ever fail because He is faithful in His nature. Wayne Grudem also said, God's faithfulness means that God will always do what He has said he will always do what He has said and fulfill what He has promised. So God will always do what He said He would do and He will always fulfill whatever He has promised. And you can see that in the Scriptures. You can see that all the promises of God are being fulfilled or have been fulfilled by God. Every single one that He has promised will come to fruition. God always does what He promises to do and we can depend on Him never to be unfaithful to His promises. So although you can't depend on anyone else to never fail you. You know, even even our closest friend, even our closest spouse, even our closest relative, we cannot depend on them to never fail us because they are fallible, they are human, they are sinners. Even even touched by the grace of God, we're still dealing with fallen man. We're still dealing with the flesh. And so we fall from time to time. And that discourages us and it disheartens us. But thanks be to God, we have a God who will never fail us. And we can look to somebody who is our closest friend and who is our Father, He will never be unfaithful to us. Never be unfaithful to us. So let's look at some scriptures that further prove this truth in the Bible, that God is a faithful God. We go back to when the law was written, and we'll turn to Deuteronomy. The law was given to the people, it was given to Moses, and God was commanding them about what they, how they were to go into the land of Canaan. Deuteronomy chapter 7 how they were going to the land of Canaan and God would give them victory over the Canaanites, even though they would be outnumbered, even though that they would be out-strategized. All that didn't matter. God was going to be with them. God was going to be faithful to do what He promised Abraham and give him a land which he did not know. All they had to do was be faithful to God and do exactly what He said to do. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 5 is where He was telling them to go into the land and, and destroy all of them. Destroy all of the enemies of the land. Don't intermarry. Don't save any of their graven images. Don't do anything. Completely wipe it out. Which we go on to see when they got there that they did not do and is what led to their downfall. But verse 6 says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord God has chosen thee to be a special people for Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That statement right there is true of all of God's children. Not only of Israel as a special nation, but of all of God's elect that He chose from the foundation of the world, they are a special people unto God and He chose them before they were ever born and they are a special people unto Himself above all the people that are in the earth. So if you sit here this morning, you believe in God, you love God, you believe in Jesus Christ, you follow Him, you've been touched by the Holy Spirit of God, you are a special people above all the people of the earth above all the rich people of the earth, above all the famous people of the earth, above all the most beautiful people in the world, you are special above all those people because God has chosen you. The Lord did not, his, did not set His love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. But here's the reason why God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. It says, but because the Lord loved you 
And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out of out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keepeth his commandments to a thousand generations and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slight to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. So God says, you'll go into the land. I'll give you victory to overcome your enemies and you'll possess the land of Canaan. Why? Because I love you. I've chosen you before the foundation of the world and because I'm a faithful God and I will do what I have promised to do. He says, what are you to do? You're to obey everything I tell you to do. You're to keep the commandments. You're to keep the judgments, the statutes, and you're to do as I have commanded you. You're to be faithful to me because I am the faithful God. The faithful God. I will not fail you in any one instance. And He didn't. God did not fail to keep His promise to the Israelites. He led them through the wilderness of the 40 years and they came to the Canaan land and they drove out all of the enemies. Uh, they, did, they weren't faithful to God in all that He commanded them. They kept some of the things around and eventually uh, those false gods crept back in and that's what led to Israel's, Israel's rebellion and having to then be chastised by the Lord and taken away into captivity because they weren't faithful. But... God was still faithful in all of their disobedience and all of their rebellion. God was still faithful to them. So let's look at some more scriptures. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 89. David speaks of the faithfulness of God. Here was a man who God was faithful to all the days of his life from a young age, giving him victory over the giant Goliath, being with him when he was being chased around by the madman Saul and watching over him as king of Israel. All the days of his life, David was not always faithful to God, but God was always faithful to David. And he speaks of this. Psalm 89. I will sing, verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall be established in the very heavens. I made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne unto all generations. Selah. So David said, God is faithful God. I will sing about the faithfulness of God. Because what he has promised to do, he has done. What he has promised to do in the future concerning my seed, he will do. He will perform it to all generations. He says that God's faithfulness is established in the very heavens. And if it's established in the very heavens, then that's solid and sure and an anchor that we can depend upon. Because it's not just established in earth. It's established in heaven where God is on his throne. Also, he speaks of it in Psalm 119, the beautiful Psalm 119 that speaks about the Word of God all throughout the psalm. Every single verse speaks about the, the Word of God. In Psalm 119, go all the way down to verse 89. It says, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. So he says that the faithfulness of God, it will abide to all generations. And we are a generation here today. And God's faithfulness is still abiding among this generation. Even though there is much unfaithfulness, 
even though there is much what would seem to be apparent decline in the United States, God is still faithful to us. God is still faithful to His people. To those that are faithful to Him, God is faithful unto all generations. Amen. Amen. Now, there's much more we could look in the Old Testament, but let's go over to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, the apostle, in writing to the Corinthians, a man who had been touched by the Spirit of God, who had been miraculously changed from a hater of Christ to a lover of Christ. He, he knew something and believed something about the faithfulness of God because God was faithful to Paul and that he rescued him from the path of destruction that he was on and he totally, completely changed his life. And in writing, to, writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in talking about his thankfulness to about the Corinthians, he says in verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you in by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye become behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God thanks, I mean Paul rather, thanks God for the Corinthians. He's thankful for their faithfulness. And what he says is that because God is faithful and God will confirm them to the end, he says, you will continue to be faithful because God is faithful to you. He says, He will confirm you unto the end. Yes, you may falter. Yes, you may fall into sin sometimes. You may get off the path, but God is faithful that He will not allow you to be overcome. He will not allow you to go so far that you are lost. He says He will confirm you to the end. Amen. Because God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You were called into fellowship with Jesus Christ His Son, and you're never going to leave that, that fellowship because God is the one who called you into that fellowship. And He will not allow you to be taken out of that fellowship. So that's, this is why we believe in the perseverance of the saints. Because God is faithful. He will not allow you to be taken out of the fellowship of the saints once you are in the fellowship of the saints. He will confirm you to the end. Paul would say to the Philippians that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So He started a work in salvation in you by regenerating you, by calling you out, and by sanctifying you all the days of your life. And He will finish that work even when you die. One day, your soul will be reunited with your body and you will experience glorification. So what God has started, He will continue because He is a faithful God. To say that God would call a ch one of His children and then they would go astray and be lost forever is to say that God is unfaithful. So we cannot believe that. We deny it. Well, God is faithful in salvation. He's also faithful in, in, to us in each day of our life. As Jeremiah said, every morning His, His mercies are new. And we fight the battle of faith each and every day, don't we? We live in, in the world, but we're not of the world. But we struggle with the flesh. We struggle with the world. We struggle against Satan. And we have this thing called temptation that is at our face each and every day that's staring us down and trying to trip us up to not be faithful to God. But even in that, even in temptations that come our way, God is faithful. He has given us the Holy Spirit that we can overcome every temptation that is thrown our way. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is very encouraging. It says this, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. 
So God is such a faithful God that He knows we're sinners. He knows that the devil hates God's children. He knows that He's going to bring temptation up before us. And He says that I've given you the Holy Spirit as the comforter and as the as the one who comes and stands alongside of you to give you strength to overcome every temptation. So He says there's no temptation which is going to come to you that, that isn't common to man. Everyone experiences it. And He says, I have provided I've provided means that it'll be such that you will it will not be tempted above that you are able. But he says, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So even our trials, this has the idea even even not only of our temptations of the flesh and of sin, but also the trials, temptations and trials which we go through that are hard in this life. Says God is faithful that He will not leave you alone in those trials. He will not leave you alone in those dark days and in those hard times when you're feeling without strength and you're feeling like it's hard to go on, he says he will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able to bear. And um, so he says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Because it is, it is in idolatry when we start to trust in other things for our fulfillment that we will, we will go astray from serving and being faithful. All right, let's look at another one. First Thessalonians chapter 5. So we're seeing in all these instances in the Scriptures, we're seeing the Godhead at work in our life. We're seeing, number one, that God the Father is faithful to His children. We're seeing, secondly, that God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, that He is faithful to His children. And we're seeing, thirdly, that God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, that He is faithful all the days of our life to to all of God's children. Because we've seen it that God has called us, Jesus Christ, has died for us, and He is as a high priest, which we'll get to in a minute, that ever lives to make intercession for us. He's a faithful high priest. And God the Holy Spirit, when He comes into our life, He is there all the time and never leaves. And He's there each and every day helping us to be faithful to God. So we're seeing the Trinity at work in our life. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. I love this whole passage of Scripture here when it gets down to the end because He's just giving off things one by one. You know, he, start, he starts all the way back in uh, verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he talking about there and all those things? He's talking about how we are supposed to be faithful, right? This is how you're faithful. These are the things that will show that you're being faithful. You're rejoicing evermore. You're praying without ceasing. You're all these things that he mentioned here, abstaining from all appearances of evil, so on and so forth. And he says the reason that we can do this in verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who will, who also will do it. Who also will do it. So you be faithful because God is faithful. And because God is faithful, he will promise to do what he has done in your life. All you need to do is be obedient to what he has called you to do. He will be faithful on his end to you. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men 
have not faith. But listen to this. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you from all evil. Isn't that comforting? Doesn't that rejoice your heart? Yes, the truth is is that all men not have all men do not have faith. And that's why we see much unfaithfulness in our in our land. People may may say they have faith, they may put on a show, they may pretend for a while, but the truth will come out and we see it time and time again. The proof is in the pudding and if they if they do not persevere, if they do not continue to be faithful all the days of their life, then we have no evidence that they are true children of God because Verse 3 says, The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So if God is involved in it, He's going to be faithful. He's not going to allow that to happen in the life of His children. He will establish us and He will keep us from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your heart in the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. So I believe if there are those here this morning that have been touched by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God and who believe in this faithful God, what I believe about you is that you will be faithful people. You will be obedient to the commandments of the Lord because God is a faithful God to His children and therefore we will be faithful to Him. Well, like I said, sometimes we sin. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we get our eyes off of God. Does that mean then that He is not going to continue to be our Father, continue to be our uh, Savior? Absolutely not. First John chapter 1, which we read this morning, right? said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we can't say that we don't sin. We're sinners. We sin every day. Even the, even the sin which we don't purposely commit, which would be the sin of, of uh, commission, there's also things that we don't do that we should that are that is also sin and that is sin of omission. And uh, so we can't say that we're not sinners. We are sinners each and every day of our life. And it says this though in verse nine: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even when we sin and even when we fall, what we're to do is we're to confess that sin and we're to pray and to ask for forgiveness. Say, God, I have not been faithful to you, but I know, God, that you are faithful to me. I know that Jesus Christ's blood is powerful enough to cleanse me from every sin. I ask for forgiveness. I pray you would cleanse me. And God is a faithful God that no matter how many times His children fall, He will each and every time forgive them and cleanse them through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope and courage and strength to continue to fight the fight of faith. So He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, let's, look, let's go to Hebrews and look at Jesus, who is our faithful high priest. Because we have one, brothers and sisters, that stands in the very throne room of heaven right now, and He stands at the right hand of God. And what He is doing right now is He is standing there making intercession for each and every one of God's children that live here on this earth. He is at the right hand of God pleading and praying for each and every one of God's children. He's doing it for you right now. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And He is the faithful high priest. The faithful high priest. They had high priests back in Old Testament times who would make sacrifice for the sins of the people to God. But they had to do it continually over and over again. But Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that office and that He came and He sacrificed Himself once for the sins of all of His people. And God accepted His sacrifice because He raised Jesus Christ from the dead 
and he ascended up into heaven as a successful savior and he and he he is our high priest continually each and every day hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people for in that he himself has suffered being tempted he is able to succor them that are tempted. So this was one of the important reasons why Jesus Christ came in the form of flesh and He took upon Him the form of a servant was to be made in the likeness of men to experience temptation, to experience trial, to experience suffering, to experience pain, to experience rejection, to experience joy and all these things that we experience every day so that He can know, so that He can experience He's always known because He's God and He knows all things. But He experienced them in a human form and in a human way, a human way, even though He was God manifest in the flesh. That's important for us to remember. Jesus knows what it's like to go through all the things that we go through. And that's why He is a faithful high priest. Because not only does He know how to go through all the things that we go through, but He went through all of them without ever sinning. So He knows how to overcome everything that we go through because he he overcame it all including death and including including rejection from the father for our sins so he is a faithful high priest and then again he says it in hebrews chapter 3 wherefore holy brethren verse 1 partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession christ jesus who was faithful to him that appointed him as also moses was faithful in all his house so the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ was faithful. is a faithful high priest to all that God appointed him to do. All that God the Father appointed Jesus Christ to do, he did it. And he does it perfectly because he is a faithful high priest. So Jesus Christ is the faithful God. We can say that with all assurity. And the Bible teaches us that. That Jesus Christ is the faithful high priest, the faithful God. Alright. So we could go on all day, all morning talking about the faithfulness of God and what all He has done for us and what all He is doing for us now. But we also have hope that not only has God been faithful in the past and not only is God faithful in our daily lives to see us through, but we also have this hope in a future because God is faithful and He has promised some things about our future. And we can be sure of them. We can be confident in them. We can believe them 100% because God is a faithful God and He has promised us a future that awaits us. If we are His children and He has touched us by His grace, what the Scriptures teach us is that even though we die in this body, it says that our spirits will go to be with the Lord and we will ever be with the Lord and that our souls are an eternal spirit and our souls will never die. And so even though our body may die and they may put it in the ground, our souls will live forever. They will go to be with God. And then the Scriptures have also said that one day we will be given a new body and our eternal soul will be united with this new body and it will be an eternal body and we will live eternally with God and all the saints and all the holy angels forever in eternity. And that is something to look forward to and that's something that gives us hope in this world. And we should think about it more often than we do. Let's go to James chapter 1. James says in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So be faithful. 
Be faithful. And he says, Blessed is the man that endures to the end and that is faithful to God to the end. And he will be faithful to God to the end because God is faithful to him. And God is a faithful God. But he says, what's the reward? What's the end result of being faithful to the end? He says, a crown of life. Eternal life. A crown of life will be given to you. Eternal life will be yours. And you're already in partial possession of that. You've been given a down payment of that. And that's the Holy Spirit. You will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love them. To, uh, to them that love Him. Also, in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, even eternal life. God has promised you eternal life. If you are in the Son and you are in the Father, then you have eternal life. And even when you die, you will continue to have that eternal life because it is eternal life. It is not temporary life. It is eternal life. And it has been promised to us. And because God is faithful, it means that whatever He has promised to do, He will never fail in what He has promised to do. So we have that hope and we can rejoice. Even though this world may perish, even though this body may perish, we have a soul that will never die. A soul that will never die. Well, not only do the believers have a future... And that because God is faithful. But unbelievers also have a future that awaits them because God is also faithful. So in the same way that that God is faithful to His children in promising them eternal life, God is also faithful on what He has told unbelievers will happen if they do not repent and do not turn unto Him. says that they also, when they die, that their souls go on to live forever and they will have an eternal death, eternal death of suffering and pain and anguish. And we must, be, we must be true to this teaching. Many have rejected it. Many do not preach it because it is not uh, a soothe thing to say. It is not a popular thing to say. But it is what Scripture teaches us. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, when Jesus was giving His last commandment to the disciples, He told them in verse 15, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So preach the gospel. Preach the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners, what God has done in Jesus Christ. Preach it to everyone. Preach it to young children. Preach it to old people. Preach it to middle age. Preach it to youth. Preach it to every ethnicity. Don't have any body that you come across that you don't preach the gospel to. Tell everybody about it. And he says, He that believes, he that believes the gospel and is baptized, they shall be saved. They shall be saved from... Uh, they shall be saved from the penalty of sin. They shall be saved from the power of sin. And one day they'll be saved from the presence of sin. And they'll have eternal life. But he also says, But he that believeth not shall be damned. Shall be damned. And that's the truth of the Scriptures. They'll be damned. Eternal damnation. Eternal destruction. They will suffer in hell for an eternity. And this is because God is faithful. And if, and if any one sin that is not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if any one sin has been committed that was not shed for by Jesus Christ on the cross, if it's not covered, it must be punished for an eternity. For an eternity. And so everyone that has not been born again, everyone that has not been touched by the grace of God, they will experience this destruction, everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. So this is the future that waits unbelievers. And it's because God is faithful. 
because God is faithful and He must deal with sin, if it hasn't been dealt with in the person of Jesus Christ, then He will deal with it with His wrath for all eternity. And we must tell the unbelievers this message. So what is our response to the faithfulness of God? Well, as we've already seen it, our response to the truth that God, God is faithful is that we should be faithful. We should strive to be as faithful people as we can be. Hebrews chapter 10 He would encourage and admonish the people to be faithful. Because God has been so faithful to you, because God has kept every promise to you, because God has done everything on your behalf for your good, you should do everything you can for this God. Hebrews chapter 10, Having therefore, verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, He says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He says in verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That's what it means to be faithful. You need to hold fast your profession of faith without wavering without wavering. Be true. Stand firm. Don't go back and forth. Don't be tossed to and fro by every wind and weight of doctrine. Be Stand fast in the faith, in your profession of faith, without wavering. For He is faithful. He is faithful, that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another as so much more as you see the day approaching. So one of the ways, brothers and sisters, that we are going to hold fast to our profession of faith without wavering is to not forsake the assembling of the saints together. And that's why it's so important for us to be dedicated with all our hearts and souls to the attending of God's house whenever they meet so that we can stand fast to our profession of faith without wavering. He says, don't be like others and forsake the assembling of yourselves. You continue to do it as often as you can do it. And while you're together, he says, just consider one another. Provoke, provoke one another to faithfulness, to love, to good works, to edifying, to do things that would glorify God. Well, if we do that, if we are faithful to this God as He is faithful to us, then when the end of time comes and Jesus Christ the Judge returns to this earth and whether He returns before we go home to be with Him or whether we return with Him, there will be a day when all people will stand before Him and the great Judge of all the earth will speak to each and every person. And there will be a separation of people. There will be a separation of all the children of God and there will be, they will be separated from all the unbelievers. In, in Matthew chapter 25, it calls them the sheeps and the goats. The sheeps will be on one side and the goats will be on the left. And Jesus Christ will say one thing unto the sheep and He will say one thing unto the goats at the end of the age. And if you have been faithful to God because He has been faithful to you, this is what you will hear if you are His. Matthew chapter 25, verse, well, let's go on. There's a analogy given in the first part of the chapter, but let's go on to the end. It says, verse 31 says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom pre- prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungered, and you gave me meat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink, and I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me, I was sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him and say, Lord, when saw thee a hungered, and, and fed thee, and, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then he shall say to them on the left, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. So there it is. That is the future that awaits the unbelievers. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he goes on to say that all the things that he had said about the righteous and how that they, they fed and they clothed and all those things that they did unto the least of his brethren, he says that these did not do unto him. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So if you go back and you look at this analogy here, it says in verse 21, And the Lord said unto, unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So that's what we want to hear when we come down to the end of time. We want to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the kingdom. Now, Jesus is our ultimate example as we're looking to be faithful and we're looking to be true. Don't look at anybody else in this world. Don't look to the, to the role models of this world. Don't look to the sports figures of this world because they are not faithful. They are changed from one season to the next. But look to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of someone and one who is faithful. Revelation chapter 19 is a good picture. Verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. That's Jesus Christ. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed upon him, white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So this is Jesus Christ. He is the faithful and true. I'd like to end with a, with a poem that I like. And the title of it is, God reigns, I will be true. God reigns, I will be true. And it says this, What matter if the, if the clouds hang low? What matter if the bleak winds blow? What matter if I may not know the reason why these things are so? God reigns, I will be true. What matter if my friends are few? What matter where they are or who? What matter what men say or do? What matter what God leads me through? He reigns, I will be true. What matter if this life is brief? What matter if I toil or grief? I and my Savior find relief. Of all my joy, He is the chief. God reigns, I will be true. No matter what I must resign, no matter how the fire refine, if I but with His image shine, by faith I clasp His hand divine. God reigns, I will be true. No matter if my bark is frail, in Jesus' name I breast the gale. No matter if all else fail, my anchor holds within the veil. God reigns, I will be true. Amen.
I'd like us to uh, sing in closing number 205, which is Great is Thy Faithfulness. Thank you for your kind attention. May God bless you.